Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into our podcast, but we know you may have an idea for your own podcast and that's why we are recommending you go get Anchor. Mm-hmm. You can create your own podcast and then like maybe have us on as guests. You should definitely have us on. For oh, we're, we're, I just checked our calendar. We're busy, Ooh. Oh, but we're available on this day. We can pencil okay, we'll you be, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we in. can do it. Okay, we, we it. said yes. Forget it. I don't like your ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anchor is the system we use and it's got a lot of cool tools. You can actually, it's kind of a one-stop shop place where you can go, you can record, edit everything, even implement songs from Spotify into your podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it the most, to be honest, is that it makes us money and I love money. And it also is free, which is kind of like, you know, you save money. It's like I think that's the biggest money. thing is like it's free. So you don't have to worry about like paying any kind of fee or signing up for thing. And they do everything for you. So... You can go there. They will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places your family are going to ignore you on. So uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started for free. Mm-hmm. Did we mention it's free? Free and you make money. You're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Your family will ignore you. That's we're, true. It cuts to the core. We're not, we're not going to be on your podcast. Come on, kids, now gather round. Grab along and sit right down. What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire, now hit the ground. It's the campfire shit show. And now, your camp counselors, Bo Hufford and Mero Climo. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. I'm so excited today. My two worlds are colliding. <laughs> uh, after many a year with this podcast and decades <laughs> with my friend Stephen, uh, I asked him to be on the show. He is a listener, though, too. Yes. So he's up to date with all your bullshit. Yeah, he comes in. like so I've, I've hung out with him a few times, and he's always screaming about something podcast-wise. Yeah. <laughs> he's always like, hey, I listened to your podcast from six months ago. What's the deal with you buying a house? <laughs> yeah, he's like, don't yeah. do it. It's a yeah. bad decision. I'm like, oh. Like, like, that was two years ago, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, but uh, Stephen's been my, uh, my partner, my business partner uh, for many a year, and he's just one of my closest friends. And so I thought it'd be great for you guys to get to know him a little bit better too. We have some really funny stories of just that were they're absolutely shit showy and yeah. Know? So uh, yeah, so I figured let's just jump into the sleeping bag this week with my good friend Stephen Fishwick. <laughs> All right, my two worlds are colliding today. We're here. I've got Meryl, of course, but uh, today, Steven. Hey. Hey, thanks for being here, buddy. So stoked. Um, It's funny because I listen to you guys all the time in my studio and it feels like you're right there with me. Aw, <laughs> we are. We really we do it I feet away. It's so weird for me to have my friends say, oh, I listen to the, the, the podcast because I'm like, oh, yeah, well... I don't know that I would listen to one of my friends' podcasts. Really? Like like regularly about their life because yeah. I probably would see them. But like Stephen will call me and be like, oh, that's cool that you did that thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I guess I didn't tell you. There's times where I'm listening to podcasts. And because you and I interact so often, I'm in my studio commenting on what you're talking about as though I'm in the conversation. Aw, anytime. Feel free <laughs> to just like live text us what you think. <laughs> that would be funny, actually. Um, well... Yeah, it's been a long time. This is our we're going on our second year. I know over second, second year. year. Yes. Oh Wait, no. So how many years have you worked with Bo for? We met in probably ninety seven. Oh, summer wow. of ninety seven. Okay. But yes. we didn't work together. And the next year, 
98. It was 98. Yeah, I was married. Well, we met when before I got married. Right. In 98 was the, my first year at Cedar Point, the theme park. Oh, and then that's I came right. out yeah. that summer. And that's so that's right. Yeah. I feel like I've known Bo for my whole life. You haven't. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's been 18 months. I'm counting the days. <laughs> well, Bo and I, being from Ohio, there is definitely a mental brotherhood from childhood. I know. Because we have all similar. He grew up in a tiny town. I grew up in a tiny town, so. Yeah. And you guys are both bald. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why we're drawn together. That's why. Yeah, yeah. bald men do stick together. Oh, God. Literally, like glue. Do they? I, I don't even know. <laughs> so the story goes is I was working at a theme park in Ohio, and that company was in many theme parks around the country uh, as a vendor. And my best friend that summer had worked in San Diego at SeaWorld. And so at the end of the summer, I packed up my things, got on a flight. Well, I didn't pack up my things. I just got on a flight, came out to visit my friend and see San Diego for the first time in my life and was here for like six or seven days. And you guys were driving back. And then we were driving together back in his car. Oh. So when I landed, it was like obviously like, oh, oh my God, I've been wanting the California dream my whole life. Palm trees. Palm trees and surfboards (laughs) and bikinis. And 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 Drew was my roommate up in Del Mar. So we were surfing all the time. It was ridiculous. So a great scenario. I landed, met up with Drew. Drew met, uh, introduced me to his uh, roommates. And one of them was his manager. And I was like, that's crazy that you're living with your manager. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was Steven. I met Steven and pretty quickly it was cool obvious that we were going to be somewhat friends yeah. or friendly because we were just crazy yeah crazy kids you vibed you know? yep. I mean, how old were you what 28 or something 28 yeah and i was just a kid i was probably 22 or 24 three something i don't 22, know yeah. um, just young bucks yeah but you're six years younger but so. i remember being like how is it so amazing in california mm-hmm. right and uh fast forward a year I was getting ready to come uh, do something in the summer. I hated my job in Ohio, the, the character job there, because I didn't like the people. Yeah. Uh, and I called uh, Stephen and I said, hey, is there any way I can come to San Diego? He's like, yeah, man, do it. And I was just <laughs> like, holy <laughs> shit, I'm going to San Diego. So that's when I did pack up myself in my Honda Del Sol Wait, two you, door. Wait, you and Drew came, yeah. right? We yeah. drove in separate cars. And at that time, cell phones weren't as advanced as they are now. Oh, yeah. We had walkie-talkies. <laughs> are you kidding? Yeah. I had a pager. We had walkie-talkies. Doing the drive to, yes. the, to the entire We were coast. driving apart from each other. And then if we needed something like gotta get gas, like gotta get gas, you know. And then we, <laughs> that is very yeah. funny. It was crazy. We we went. I I drove across the country like four times. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, because you came back the next summer. Yeah. As well. yeah, and I just had the best summers working with Stephen and that whole staff. And well, I think because we we in California are so far removed from the company in Ohio. Yeah. That I we could do anything we wanted to. Like nobody would follow up. We were we were taking meetings. On our surfboards <laughs> in the ocean, like we would have really? a set business meeting. We'd yeah. have the staff come out. We'd all sit on our boards, and yeah, we'd be in the middle of talking about something important. I'm like, oh, wave, wave, everyone's. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, for many years, even after that, we had our meetings in the water. Oh my gosh! I Don't say board meetings. I, think I know. That's where <laughs> I told you I was leaving the company, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's such a a creative. Like I have to. You guys are not the first wave of it. No surfing, pun intended. But like. Are there a ton of companies that manage artists out there? There, there's quite a few, but there's none bigger than that company that we were in. We okay. were in four, at the time. We were in forty parks, forty theme parks throughout the country, and I think there was one in Germany. But there's other companies that do it, but those companies may have two to three parks, maybe five parks at the most. That this seems like such a new job, like yeah, a, new, a new, a new development. Wow! So, and, and we had that 
sort of like that connection to managers. I mean, at that time, it was like we weren't even there weren't even computers. We were doing everything. <laughs> there by were computers, paper. but no one was using. You yeah, were just walkie we talking. Everyone. We would we would dial in our numbers for the day and then fax them off either at the end of the week or. I remember daily. when I first started, I would have to call payroll into the office. So oh my gosh. Okay, wait, I have so many questions, but I'll let you, I'll let okay. Bo, since you guys are, yeah, so yeah, anyway, I'll sprinkle how, in my questions here met. and there. That's yep. how we met. Yeah. And so, um, but after my third year, my second year with Steven, I uh, graduated college and went off to a post-bachelory going to Italy and going into photography and art history. And I thought like, I'm going to go be a photographer. And so I quit that job at the time. But honestly, at that point, Bo and I had connected so they knew deeply. They worked well and, together. Well, and he was an artist of a much higher caliber than I was used to seeing, even for myself. And so he may not have known this, but at that time I was constantly looking for a position to bring him back Aww. to California. Uh, I think it still took maybe six years to get you seven. back here. It seven, took seven years. years. <laughs> <laughs> well, because well, I also needed a job that was going to pay him a lot of money yeah. because he isn't going to move to California for... 30,000. I need to pay him a, a decent 32,000. So I think in, <laughs> in in that time you were uh, working your way up as well. You were regional manager of that company. And so essentially you were managing all the managers of all of California. Yeah. So when I got to California in 95, very beginning of 95, I had one employee and 12 years later I had uh, 942 employees and 12 theme parks. Oh my so gosh. So SeaWorld, Legoland, Knott's Berry Farm, Disney, the zoo, wild animal park, and then up by San Francisco, there are three parks. So I had all of these parks that I was managing the artists. And this is this is really what made me quit was I both finally came out and took the job at, to manage SeaWorld. And he was walking me around and introducing me to his artists. And two of his new artists were working together at a booth, these two girls. And we walk up and he introduced me to him. And one of them goes, Hey, we heard you used to be an artist. Oh, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> and my heart like just sank. I mean, they didn't mean it in any negative right, way. Right, right. The reality was, I was a, a closeted artist at that point. I was looking at people's payroll and inventory, managing yeah. them, killing themselves because half their sixteen-year-old staff isn't coming into work. And so, I was drawing and painting in my garage. I was, t I was actually teaching a class uh, at an Athenaeum and. As, uh, I think it's in Encinitas and I wasn't doing anything with my art and so when when they said oh, oh we heard you used to be an artist that. I literally went home this was I think 2004 I went home to my wife we had two kids at the time and I said I have to quit my job and she's like what and I'm like I don't want to be 50 someday and wish I had been an artist and I've now been distracted from being the artist i was you know hired at 19 as an artist i i was an artist my whole life but all of a sudden i was taking promotions and higher pay and yeah all of a sudden it was i was not doing art for a career at all and my wife god bless her said i don't even know what that means <laughs> to quit your job to be an artist and so <laughs> we started praying about it and all of a sudden there were all these doors opening up uh, someone at church asked me if I could paint on stage while the band played. And I looked at it, it as like, that's three extra hours of practice. Yeah. Had two services. And all of a sudden, somebody in the audience at church saw me who was an event planner and said, hey, could you do a live painting for Honda? For they had, In 2006, Honda had created a, a robot called Osimo. 
and they wanted them painted at their like Christmas gala or their employee party. And so they they're going to pay me like three grand to come in and paint. Awesome. I was like, all of a sudden I needed a website. I needed a video to show people what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden there's a whole new career. And it took, I, I said at the end of the 2004, I was going to quit my job. And I posted a little post-it note, quitting the job, my job at the end of 2004. <laughs> and I posted it on my computer screen and I spent every waking moment trying to find a way to make a living as an artist outside of my career. And it took six years to quit that job. Every year, I'd switch that note going, end of 2005, really? I'm going to quit this job. End of 2006, Okay, so that's a job. really interesting thing because I think we all, everyone has, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of us have things that we're wanting to do. And it's good to hear that you made it happen, but it took six years because we're all used to years. like, I quit and then a month later. Or, I think that's the misconception is that yeah. you go, I'm going to quit my job and then tomorrow you walk in, quit it, and you start this new world. A new identity. Like, I finally figured out what I want to yeah. do. Yeah. It's not, I don't think well, that's really. It took two years from 2004, the time I said I was going to quit my job, and I locked myself in my garage from nine to midnight, three days a week, as though I had a paying job, uh-huh. I had to be on time. Nine to midnight, but nine to midnight, three days a week turned into nine to three a.m., seven nights a week. Like any waking moment I had, I was trying to build a website, trying to find clients, trying to follow up on clients, trying to figure out how to bring an income that could generate a hundred grand, which is what I was making at the parks. And so all of a sudden, in 2006, I had made $25,000, but I had spent $26,000 <laughs> to make that $25,000. Uh-huh. And in 2007, the San Diego Zoo approached me about doing a live painting show where I could paint endangered animals uh, and educate the crowd or the public at the park on the plight of these animals. And so... And they were going to pay me a hundred grand for 75 days to do that. And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, wow. But I couldn't quit my job because it was only a, really a three month job. Yeah. So I had to go to commons, my, my employers at the theme parks and say, Hey, I know summer's our busiest time of year, but would you give me the whole summer off? I still need to be paid. (laughs) (laughs) And they did. They did? Because I had invested at that point, I think I'd invested almost 20 years with them. So it was almost like a sabbatical or something like that. I was asking for a sabbatical during their busiest time. And they, Rich and Trish Common, God bless them, were in it for the artist, not just for the business. And they helped, they taught me everything I knew about business and they helped me grow into who I am today. Is That's awesome. such a cool story. Yeah. I think it's almost good in a way that, and that you had a family that you had to support. So you weren't just like, cause who would have known if you kind of took that leap and then it didn't work out for two months and then you went back forever. It was good that you did it all on your off time. Well, I quit in 2009, <laughs> right when the economy crashed. That's true. I remember this. Well, and I was just going to say that it was really great that Steven was kind of busy in the summers because he had to have a staff that could, um, he was never going to be able to like step away for those summers to work at the zoo. If his staff wasn't like, Awesome. Well, on their shit. Yeah. But what was great about that is I came out in 2000, end of 2006, beginning of 2007, just as he was starting that journey. And he literally just said to me, like, do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) I'll get you whatever you need. Just tell me what you need. And I was like, well, that was my whole business model. Do whatever the fuck I want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so he just left me alone, which no manager had ever really done to me before. I'd always had kind of been micromanaged a bit, you know? 
And so I just tried crazy shit at SeaWorld. Like, well, crazy let me give Bo some props though. Is when I handed him that park, it was doing about a million dollars a year. He didn't increase any locations or any staff, and he did two million dollars. Whoa! Which, which I could easily say, wow, that made me look bad, but <laughs> it made me look good because I'm the guy who brought him yes. in and stuck him in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just a change of, and I think sometimes it really it is so important to. You know, obviously you don't want to give the keys to an idiot. Right. right? But if you know this person's going to like at least try to steer it in a way, like let them do their thing. Try some new shit because I feel like that's when you're going to get some sort of change. Well, honestly, I think my artwork has really improved by partnering with Bo and seeing because Bo Bo does not suffer fools and he doesn't suffer bad (laughs) ideas. (laughs) And he isn't afraid to, no matter how much time or energy or investment you've put into something, he's not afraid to go, that really is not quality. I wouldn't right. put it out there. <laughs> we have so many stories. Oh, actually, topic. can we please tell the one story? Oh. I really want, okay, so the reason I wanted <laughs> Steven on here is because Steven and I have had so much time together that we have some crazy fucking Yeah, stories. and I can imagine just having a career where you're painting live on stage. I know you're on cruises all the time. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's so much in Well, let so, me start the story. Yeah. And when, when your point, when you come into it, you take over the story. Okay, so hold on. <laughs> let me bring people to the point where we, we both, start the we story. You guys are so cute. Story and we know exactly what we're I talking feel like about. I really am watching the like, comparison. So here's couple. the deal. After Steven quits that job, right? Within a year, I well, realized, because you start this career yeah. doing fine art. He starts, get, he's like, I'm going to be a fine artist. I'm going to go. I'm going to try to do gallery stuff. And I'm also going to start this other business. Well, you already had a business, but you were going to start this new business. Um, uh, just doing, live doing art. retail, like, lo- uh, sorry, live art, right? Okay. So, and just for people that don't know, really quickly, ex- so is fine art considered art that, like, you only see galleries. in galleries? Yeah. 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 Okay, so, like, fancy part. art, yeah. basically. Okay. That you'd walk into a gallery and see. So, he, okay. he quits in 2009. Yeah. Within a year, the com- the company completely shifts into a new, like, place. And I realize, like, I'm sort of, like, shouldn't be there anymore. I wasn't happy. I started getting micromanaged again, even though I had had so many successes and I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. You put a post-it note somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I put a post-it note. I said (laughs) in the next six years, I'm going to be, um, so, uh, I decided I'm going to quit about a year after and I had no fucking plan. What's funny is we're on a surfboard again when he goes, I've got to get out. And (laughs) the exact words I said to him, I said, why don't we partner? I can't promise you'll make any money, but we'll do whatever we want. Uh. And he goes, I'll quit today. Wow. Yeah. I, I made a, I made a, I just made a schedule to get out. And a couple months later, I put my notice in and got out and I had no fucking plan. We had no plan for any money. And then the recession happened Oh my gosh. and I was like, we're fucked. Right. <laughs> I, we lived broke for a couple yeah. of years just because there was no way to make money. Cause there, people aren't hiring artists. Right, like that's exactly. one of the first things to go. And but yeah, it still was yeah. the best decision I ever made. And I, I, you hear that a lot from people. Anyway, fast forward, as uh, Steven starts to get into that gallery scene, fine art, he and I are partnering up on so many things, whether it be the live art or the gallery stuff and just just partnering up in general. And um, he gets this great opportunity to be a Disney fine artist. OK, that's where the the Disney Corporation chooses certain artists to do their characters that's then wow. sold in a fine art gallery. OK, uh-huh. um, so Steven gets picked. It's a huge thing. Yeah. Right? And at the same time. I'm traveling to Japan a lot, right? So on this occasion, Steven starts painting these Disney paintings. He's excited to get going on those. Um, 
And then I go away for a two-week trip, okay? And I'll let you sort of take over. Yeah, this is such a nightmare. So I, I get all <laughs> excited about Disney and whatnot. And, and one of the main things that they would want is content. You know, everybody wants content to promote on whatever. So I get this brilliant idea. I'm going to – Bo's in Japan now for a month. You were in Japan for a month. And so I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a, a painting, Disney painting, and – I'm going to bring a film crew in. They're going to film it from the beginning, from the sketch, from the first ideas I have, roughing it out, and then taking it to the canvas and creating it. And so during the month he's gone, I hire a crew for <laughs> 1500 bucks. They come in every day. They're filming. They edit it all down, and the painting's done. The, the video's being edited, and the, the painting's hanging or you're sitting on my easel, and it's like probably... Oh, 11 12 o'clock at night and i'm in the studio downtown and Bo comes in he's home from his trip just came from the airport took an uber whatever from the airport taxi walks in and i'm sitting at his desk oh man and he walks into the 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 his side of the studio and he goes i go hey did you see what's on the easel he goes yeah uh, give me a minute give me 20 minutes <laughs> i'm like oh shit what does that mean he goes out, takes a photograph of it, moves me from his computer, sits down 20 minutes later. Now, at this point, I don't know that he's had a film crew. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how much time he's spent yeah, on this painting. Yeah, <laughs> I just saw the painting and thought, like, something's not working. That's and so funny. The painting was of uh, Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, and she's she's bursting into the dragon, and the dragon's coming around. and looks wild and fun. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, he photoshops and cuts and pastes and flips and chop, chop, chop on the computer. And he goes, he goes, take a look at this. He, the way you've got it laid out, nothing it reads. My eye's looking here, and then it's looking off of the canvas. And I, you, you got no you got no smooth energy going. You don't, you don't even have an arabesque. you got an arabesque shape, but it isn't going anywhere. And it's like, <laughs> and I go, <laughs> you know, I like lose my mind because he's totally right. Yeah, yeah. He's telling a story. And I'm just throwing shit on the canvas. And so literally, this is almost like 1 a.m. I'm like, I, I literally called the film crew. Oh. And I go, hey, you got to come in next week. Got to refilm this whole thing. Oh. <laughs> because he was totally right. Why yeah. would I put a piece of crap out? And I, at that point, I didn't want to look at the painting. And I haven't even told you this. But so I convinced the film crew that they could, or that the woman who owned the company, I go, you can have the painting that you filmed last <laughs> month. <laughs> what if they're like, we don't even if, want it. If you come in and refilm the whole thing. And so she's like, oh, totally, I would love it. Because at that point, she doesn't know the problems with yeah, the painting. Yeah. So I give her the painting. She comes in, we redo the whole thing. It is awesome. You can actually, I think it's see it on our website or whatnot, or on stephenfishwick.com. But just the other day, somebody messaged me on Facebook going, Hey, I got this painting. Can you tell me what it's worth? It's the painting I gave her. Oh, really? <laughs> she gave it away, or she sold it on eBay or something. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, burn it. Yeah, it's worth nothing. Oh, no, you should don't get post that. it. You don't show it. Yeah, that's that. actually yeah. You should buy it back. Almost. Yeah, but if oh, I man. bought it back, I'd paint over that's it and re <laughs> put a new painting on it. And it, I mean, listen, it, it is one of those things where, and I say this, I said this a thousand times. You have to have an editor in your life. Yeah. It doesn't matter who that person is. Well, you hope that they have good taste. But like, have someone that you can bounce an idea off of and have them go, oh, but what about this? And you go, oh, yeah. You know, but I'll you tell you, that. even that lesson 
has helped all my artwork because now I look at everything from that perspective. I say, how is it reading? What is it reading? You know, is it is it a, de- a good design? Because that was the problem. It was my original was not a good design. Yeah. And when a designer like Bo comes in, boom, you got a whole nother level of work so. and i think bo's smart like that too is that i think he partners because i'm kind of that energy too or i can like move things along but it but then it bo helps me kind of like take a minute so in meetings i'm always like yes 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 and i say yes to ideas see this is where she <laughs> <laughs> meryl replaced me no That's no he's no 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 we we moved out of our studio the block downtown which means we weren't seeing each other face to face at the exact moment you guys uh, started seeing each other. That's also very bowish. And so the first few podcasts I'm listening to, I'm like, he just replaced me. <laughs> he said that a couple I was times. Her, I was his crazy, and now she's his crazy. <laughs> no, and I think and I think that's it's it's smart of people to align like in a certain way. I think I'd go mental if I was paired with someone exactly like myself. <laughs> so I think it's good to have like complementary partnerships of people that because I am not very detail oriented. So I like it's good for me to sometimes sometimes take a minute and realize like if something's a week later, it can be better because I want everything yeah. like right now. I I definitely feel like the thing that you guys have similar is that yes 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 go 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 yeah and then i'm like wait a minute we haven't even talked about the next step i'm always like the end game guy right i'm yes. always thinking like well what what is your ultimate goal and you guys are just like just start running and <laughs> i think there's a i'm running when i say yeah, i'm yeah. Start we, running. we just had you'll appreciate this we just had something where we uh we were going to do a character on behalf of of podcast magazine and kind of give them like a little gift and for no reason i wanted i just told Bo do a character of this cover art but it like had nothing to do with it was just this random like pregnant woman standing on the cover yeah, I'm like, who I'm not- like it had nothing to do with podcast magazine <laughs> but i just i needed it done like to me in my mind that day but Bo then took a step back and he was like why don't we make why don't we do a character of the the podcast founder of of the magazine because that will mean more and i was like oh yeah like that makes sense and so it took a couple of weeks but I like def- it's I, worth it i definitely used to say this about steven but i agree with you it's like i always you guys are like ready go set kind of people yeah you know what i mean and i used to like, come, i used to sit there with bo i go i got an idea and bo's like did you already book the tickets like yeah he assumed it's good I that was people really like that way late like, we're gonna go to atlanta <laughs> we're gonna go right up to their house and we're gonna show them this idea they're gonna buy i'm like you didn't buy the tickets wait a second you? yeah like, i did buy the tickets i'm like god come on man <laughs> Okay, wait, before the next story, I have a really quick question. So when you are a Disney fine artist, do they know what gallery is going to go in? They manage the whole thing. So it's a company called Collector's Edition that is DisneyFineArt.com. And what they do is they manage all of the fine art side of Disney. Uh, I think there's a couple companies now, but for a long time, they were the only company. And so literally, if I do any painting, I can do anything I want, but they get it approved. So it goes, the painting goes to the studio, the studio approves it. Sometimes they approve. It's funny. I'll give them something. I'm like, they're never going to prove this. No problem. Really? They approve it. Then I give them something. I'm like, they got to prove this. It's spot on. And there's like 20 changes. <laughs> so once that happens, I never see the painting again. Disney then prints it. Disney puts it in all the galleries. Disney flies me to the location to help sell it. That's so interesting. So it could be your interpretation of like Minnie doing Quite whatever often. she wants. Yeah. And then, okay. Yeah. Well, like for example. I mean, they manage whether they want it to be representing them or not like you just went to um was it miami to uh, sign a bunch of prints yeah that's for the new gallery i work with park west yeah so but he does that kind of things where where it's like not only does he do the paintings but then they'll do prints of his paintings and then he'll sign those and they're limited edition prints yeah you know oh yeah all levels of like once you get into the gallery game it's and it is a game it is uh 
it's like there's they've got this whole thing kind of set up and so in this case disney fine art takes care of a lot of that stuff now he's moved on to and, and we can just go into that now sure. it's like now you're working with uh a company called park west and tell so us park a bit. west is the world's largest art gallery right i would say art dealer because uh they even manage uh the sale of dollies and renoirs and, mm. uh so they're a fine art house and they're all over the world they're a huge huge company they're on um, many cruise ships and then they do live events not only on the cruise ships but then they also do land-based shows where they'll like fly me to ritz carlton in boston oh and they'll ship all of the paintings there and then they'll bring the collectors so the event is you know friday saturday sunday and they've flown, you know, 200 collectors just to see the artwork and buy it in an auction. So in that case, so they they're flying it. people in, paying for their flights and their hotel, showing them this artwork all for free. It's almost like a free vacation in the hopes that they're going to buy art. Well, and they're people and the, who do collect art. Yeah. And what the, a job. And it's sort of like a, almost like a gentleman's handshake in the sense where like they'll fly you in, they do all the stuff for you, they feed you you meet the artist and then you better buy a painting it's you know easy to I mean? buy something but it's an extraordinary experience that they set up they really i the thing i love about park west is they love art as much as i do like they are so into it they set up the perfect scenario for the artist to meet the collector bond with them and then you have a collector for life in a sense because yeah you know i do a lot of commissions and i'm going back and forth with these people and it, it's you know there's a certain point where i know who their kids are i know their grandkids yeah are. it's great because I when you it. buy That's art so you're not buying the actual piece you're buying the story and you're buying the person you right know? You're, yeah and so if you have that connection with an artist it makes you like the art that much more and you can you know, when someone walks in and goes, I love this piece in your house and you just go, great, I got it at Walmart. Like, yeah, well, well, that's not really a great story. But if if you have a piece you're like, OK, this artist was from this area and did this and they do this and blah, blah, and they know a story. It's like a conversation changes it and that, that changes it completely. A good gallery, a good uh, gallery salesperson knows the story and has something to tell, yeah. you know. And, and I think that's why they have these great uh, environments for people to come into. I mean. Just to go back, like Stephen's going on cruise ships, like well before all this stuff going on, like you were on a cruise ship every two or three weeks, right? Yeah, just sometimes, about. Yeah, there were a couple months where I would be on three ships a month. But the best part for me is I don't go on the whole cruise. They fly me into a port, I climb on the ship, I'm on the ship for two or three days, and then I fly That's out the of best the next part. port. Yeah, not, you know, it's great. You get to eat the crab legs and yeah, and everything is paid oh. for, and you just go and you schmooze and. Steven's so crazy. He's painting 24 hours a day in his room. He takes yeah, that so time the, to they set up my, my room on the ship as a studio. And so, you know, I have my balcony, I have my door open and I'll work all three oh days. Oh my gosh. What an office. And then do you do live paintings there yeah, too in so front of people on the ship? I'll do a live painting or two. Um, and then one thing I've been doing lately, I really enjoy is I bring a, a blank canvas and I let everybody at the event paint on it. And then I take it back to my room and I put a painting on top of that. And then that's for so auction the next day. Like but it's something everyone in the room helped create. Yeah. So they'll all paint these things. And then he leaves that some of those spaces open and, and paints almost like a border. Oh, that's so cool. Object, like an, a lion or somebody. And, and then the next day that people that painted it see this finished thing. And they're like, oh, shit, I got to have that. And that's like meaningful because then it's like everyone on yeah. this cruise that well, I was on. And they're free to do anything they want on the canvas. It's like I think artists so often are, are real timid yeah. about protecting their work. I could care less. 
If it, it's successful, great. If not, I'll paint over. I'll reuse the canvas. Have you ever had anything where someone buys your art on a ship and then they like say that by accident it goes like, out to sea or it like gets damaged or anything? Because I can't imagine. <laughs> well, it, that would go. That would go through. That's not your I'd problem. Never hear about okay, that. yeah. Because it's the only also thing I'd hear about is like, oh, we need you to paint another one. <laughs> really? It's not happened, but it would. If yeah, that happened. That's so interesting to think like you could be on a vacation, buy a huge piece of art, and then now it's like, okay, well now we have to also fly this home back to ourselves. Or it's kind of crazy. You know what I was just thinking. Thinking like uh, speaking of you traveling so much and really in the last year yeah. or two, it's really kind of amped up to another degree. And I've been so lucky to travel with you on a couple like on a cruise and we've been to some crazy places. But in the early days, even I was just thinking about how we got an opportunity to go to do uh, not Dubai, um, Lebanon. <laughs> Uh, well, it was a world. We were it was a 25 day trip and we went around the world. It started oh my in gosh. Vegas. Started yeah. in Vegas yep. for three days. We performed at Mandalay Bay, and then we flew to Jordan. Yeah, I'm on Jordan. What the heck? Yeah. Bo, Bo met a girl, of course, on the plane. <laughs> of course. Oh, my. Are you Flight kidding attendant. me? Flight attendant. Come on. Come on. Bo. By the time we landed in Jordan. That's his fine art. <laughs> they were dating. <laughs> He's now married Flight to her. It's an arranged marriage. Hours. Wow. So we went to Jordan. We went to uh, Lebanon for, for five days. Yeah. Bo got sick no, 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 the wait, first wait, wait, day. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> So this is great. This is great. I just want to say this because this is really, this is a shit show moment for me. So there was all this pressure. First this off, a literal shit. This whole, sh this whole trip was kind of like in, in a funny way, a little bit doomed only because like we started in Vegas and on the first night, um, Steven who cannot handle his liquor at oh, all. No. Right. Well, cause Steven, I don't drink. Right. So Steven, but he drinks like it's like Starbucks. water in the desert. Like he just chugs <laughs> an alcohol. Right. And so he has like two drinks. He falls off <laughs> his chair twice. Gets we we get asked to leave the bar. We're walking back. I'm like, all right, I got to get this guy back to his hotel. He's really in bad shape. And I thought, oh my gosh, I think we left for Lebanon or Amman, Jordan the next day. And that I, was is like, I was like, oh my god, this guy fell off his chair. He's gonna hit his head. We're gonna have a. We're not even gonna be able to go and all this stuff. I'm walking him back through the casinos. You know, it takes forever to get from one casino to yeah. the next, uh, right? Yep. And in the process of us going, he stops the security guard, this short, lovely black woman, and she's kind of chubby, right? And he I goes, think she was 400 pounds. She no. Was, <laughs> she was awesome. I loved her. And he her. goes up and he goes, can I give you a hug? And I was like, oh, my God, Stephen. He hugs her and um, he goes, you're comfy like a couch. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of oh that. Oh, my God. We go outside. He tries to sit on some guy's uh, motorcycle. He, he tells some other lady, like, hey, I want to get naked on a crosstown bus or something like that. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and then the next day. Wait, the best part of the story was he finally got me back to the hotel, put me in bed. It was like 630 at night. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. It was. The sun hadn't gone down yet. The next <laughs> day awesome. we get up and we leave and we go to we get to Amman, Jordan and then into Lebanon. I can't believe you did that flight hungover like that, too. Well, no. I slept for 12 hours because I just went slept to bed on the plane. That's true. Yeah. I slept for 18 hours, honestly. Yeah, it was awesome. And then we get to Amman, Jordan, and Lebanon, and then we kind of get to this place. And it's a completely different world, right? Obviously. Yeah. There are buildings that are brand new right beside buildings with like bullet holes all over them. It's crazy. Well, it's like, you know, picture a brand new Apple store, and right next to it is Daffy Duck's face when he gets a dynamite blown up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's how contrast yes. these buildings like are. Covered it's in true. Soot and it's well, true. From, from 1975 to 1990, Lebanon was in a civil war and Beirut was, and that's where all the reports were coming from Beirut. Yeah. So bombs, and it was insane. So we're in Beirut. Did you guys have to have like personal, like 
like not bodyguards, but like, oh no no this no, is, this is this actually is, okay, 2009. Yeah, or yeah it 10 was or okay at that point. But I was I was nervous, but and I was also very young in the brain, I guess, for travel in that way. Uh, but I knew one thing: don't drink the water, oh, right? No. So but I I'll get have there. a salad. So instead, dummy me. I'm like, uh, I'm going to be really careful. You know what? Just give me something easy. I'm just going to have a salad. Oh, man. Not really registering in that moment that like a salad is. Lettuce is like the worst like, thing. This is like the, the fourth thing. day yeah. of a 25 no, day trip. No, it was the first <laughs> night, Steven. Well, first night in Lebanon. Yeah. And I was sick. And I mean like fire asshole sick oh. for 20 days to the point where I was so dehydrated. One, I lost 25 pounds in the trip, just in, in like 20 days. Just because you didn't eat it. Or and nothing then stayed in sa- it. Th- I knew something was bad when I got to the point where I was like, I finally had a solid shit and it was completely white. It Are lo- you kidding? No, it was like, it was like, uh, like it was petrified like, or something. Yeah, like- it looked like a uh, charcoal briquette that's been like burnt. Really? You know? Yeah, it was just like 100 white. It you was- understand this is in Lebanon. We were still going from Lebanon to, to Japan. Japan. I was so sick. I was so sick. Oh my god! That was the. Worst. I've never heard of a I white remember, poo before. I remember because we were there doing live paintings. Stephen yeah. was doing uh, speed paintings. You know where you paint yep. a famous person within like five minutes, right? On a big ass canvas, and we were doing it at this thing or this uh, shopping mall. And they were so dumb. They set us up. They made us change our location Every three painting. times a day. And so we had to go first floor. We do a painting. Then we'd have to pack everything up, and it's a lot of shit. And then we'd have to go up one floor, set it up, do another painting. Pack it up, go up another floor, oh do another painting, gosh. and it wasn't even that big of a mall. Yeah. Like you could see each floor from the one. It was <laughs> you're like, like you're you're just right uh, here now. I was just like, oh, it was so bad. And every every twenty minutes, I was like, I'll be right back, and I'd like run to the bathroom and just be like, pure fire. That's my worst nightmare. <laughs> Have oh, you gotten sick on a cruise ever? Like never. when you're no, never. I feel like I always get sick on cruises too. Thank like that's well, I'll tell you, you know, I I think people who cruise all the time aren't afraid of cruises at all. They're so sanitary conscious. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But people who don't cruise are like, I'll never go on a cruise again. Yeah. Because of all this Corona stuff. But I have, I want to tell this story because it kind of goes in line with like in this period of our time where we were going on live painting tours a lot, like, you know, where we'd go for a corporate event, we'd paint a painting of someone famous and, uh, you know, there's, it, it's a lot of preparation for five minutes of performance, right? Yes. It's a lot of money for yeah. for a five minute performance. Yeah. So we get paid very well in those moments. Yep. But it's a lot of time prepping. Steven has to prepare and practice the painting. Everything has to go right. Like, cause there are these moments where maybe he'll do a painting and then he turns around, he grabs a microphone and talks for maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute. And in that time, I'm on stage changing out canvases, making sure everything's good, unscrewing paint caps and making sure all the brushes are ready for him so that when he turns around, it's like second painting is ready to go. Yep. It's, a, it's a tight, stressful window, right? And I don't do super well with that kind of stuff because there's always these like fucking variables that make things like impossible and yeah. out of our control. Let's, of our control. let's tell the story from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> so... We're asked to go to uh, the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas. They have a, a venue called The Joint. Oh, yep. I've and been there before. Yeah, Delta cool. Airlines is having their big corporate event. And so we drive in and we, get, we always get to the venue three, four hours beforehand. We set up our stage. We go to the bar, hang out until it's showtime. So we get there in this beautiful room. They have these sofas set up right next to the stage and whatnot. And then they have this main stage. They're going to have a band. And then they have this little tiny stage they're going to put me on. 
And so we're starting to set up our stage. We're setting it up. We're almost done from setting it up. And all of a sudden the planner comes over and goes, hey, do you guys mind the band wants to do a sound check and they don't want you on your stage fiddling around while they're doing that? Could you guys just hang out for a minute, let them do their sound check, and then you can finish? I'm like, sure. So we sit on the sofas that are right in front of the stage and we just get on our phones, check on Facebook, emails, whatnot. The band does an hour and 15 minute soundtrack. They literally run through an entire set. <laughs> and we were moments away from being done setting up. And it's one of these things where like, you know, you go to any corporate event or any party and you've got these bands that jump up there and they're just like kind of not full of themselves, but like you hear them talking to each other and they're just playing the same fucking song. Yeah, over it's and over basically again. their show yeah, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, just yeah. happen to be here. Yeah. So we're sitting on these couches just you know, I think I'm talking to my wife through text or whatnot, and we're just checking our emails. We're sitting there for an hour and 15 minutes. They, the band runs through an entire set. And finally, the event planner comes over. The band stops. The event planner comes over and goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea they were going to run through a whole set. Uh, you guys can finish setting up, and we'll see you guys later. Bo looks up. And says, because I'm just a snarky little motherfucker sometimes, you know, and so I think it's funny. I'm telling the joke for Steven, but I say it to this guy, this woman because uh -huh. I'm like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times this fucking band was playing Hotel California. And it's just like one of those songs where like, don't just don't like, play just that. Stop. Even, yeah. Right? And I just go, God, do these guys know anything other than Eagles songs. And the planner goes, they are the <gasps> Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at that fucking moment, Bo and I, go I lift our heads up. They're walking off the stage now. Like Don Henley's right yes. up there. Are you yes. kidding? And yes. both of us are like, what? And he goes, yeah, it's going to be a big surprise. The president <laughs> of Delta. Like, like take it easy or whatever. The, yeah. or all those songs. I was, like, like, I was like, why are they only playing Eagles songs? Oh my gosh. Well, he, yeah, no, was he goes, no, there was no part of me that thought that this was the Eagles. No. First off, it's a bunch of old men. Yeah. And it's like, I've been to so many events where people like, it's always the, Tom Petty we're, tributes. We're the, we're the or Preach Boys. Yeah. And it's just like in Beach their Boys defense, <laughs> In their defense, they sounded like the Eagles. I hope so. <laughs> but why would we look up? I mean, it never even occurred to me to look up. That at is the beyond funny. It's not that big of an event. It, we were 25 never, feet from the stage with no one in front yeah, of us. You would never expect that the Eagles would play in this place. Obviously, a corporate event, a, a company like Delta yeah. can afford something like that. And here, it just amplified everything. And I was like, first off, I look like a complete douche because I'm like, can I play on the Golden Eagles? Who do they like, think they are? The like, Eagles? That is the Eagles. Wow. So well, then, so, so then, then we're pissed off <laughs> that we just missed this fucking moment. Yeah. And so we jump on stage. We were pretty much done. We leave. The problem is, before they had interrupted us, we were setting a canvas up to check the lighting. Uh huh. But by the time an hour and a half later came, we were, uh, canvas looks fine. We leave. The problem is I'm painting three paintings in a row. That have about 30 seconds in between. Okay. And the first, the painting that we had set up just to check the lighting is John Lennon. But the painting the that first it was painting supposed I'm to be. going to be painting is Elvis Presley. And each painting has a soundtrack. Obviously, to correlate with the person it who's It matches the painting. artist. Yeah. So usually we'd start out with a regular song. <laughs> it would go into a different song, but then it would come into the artist song. So Elvis like, will be so the it, Elvis it, song. It would be like three different songs, and then it would be an Elvis song to kind of be like, it's Elvis, see? Yeah. And yep. then he'd reveal that it's Elvis, and it would take five minutes. Now, keep in mind, I just want to say this. We have the audio tracks that we've given to the DJ. And the in, DJ's booth is easily at the back of the room. <laughs> it, it is far. It is far. It's like up a couple levels, and then it's in the center. Now, this is where when, when the event is happening, there are it's people crowd. everywhere. It's a huge crowd. So 
We don't know it, but the wrong painting oh, is no. up on the easel ready to be painted. Thank God I didn't do it. Stephen did it. Thank God, because I would have like that would have been the end of me. Yeah, and by by the wrong painting being up is I have you know like the setup uh, the I paint. have tick marks where I know to paint. Okay, I'm jumping yeah. around, flinging paint. I need to know where those places are. So the John Lennon canvas has to be John Lennon. It can't. I can't just oh wow. I got to decide to paint Elvis now. It's it's got to be John Lennon. The problem is, is they introduce me. I run up. Elvis music starts. I get to the canvas, and I'm looking at John Lennon, and oh I'm like, my God. And, and you hear like <laughs> a little more calm. <laughs> and but I am like, painting John, John Lennon, Lennon, and oh there's not a John Lennon song on the Elvis track. Now here's another problem. The DJ has the next song cued, right? The next song will be Elvis. Elvis. But he's already playing the Elvis track, right? So he's painting he's playing Elvis to a John Lennon. Uh-huh. But the next one will be a painting of Elvis. But <laughs> then he's John to, to John Lennon. Oh my So I have to now <laughs> I don't realize it's happening yet because I see I see uh, I hear the Elvis music. I see the painting starting, but I don't like, know where it's going yet because he'll use it a little bit different color each time. Yeah. And so I'm looking, I'm like, wait, that's John Lennon. Now here's the problem is the the DJ's cue for my next painting is, are you guys ready for another painting? And he starts the music for that. And it's cue. Elvis again. So, El, uh, so, so Stephen could talk for three minutes and then go, are you guys ready for another painting? Oh, the okay, DJ okay, knows, yep. clink, hit the next song. Yeah. Right? At this point, he thinks the next song should uh, be now this is where my, This is where my inner Meryl comes out, <laughs> my crazy side. So Bo comes on stage and I go, you got to tell the DJ to yeah. play the John Lennon track next, not the. He said, I painted the wrong, I, I, I painted the wrong painting to the wrong music. I'm yeah. like, I see that. He goes, you got to tell the DJ to, to play that replay. song again, again to replay Elvis. And, he, and I said, just stall them. Tell them a quick story. And so he that he said, has time to run back to the DJ. And right. Say, play Through that the crowd same track. to tell the DJ, don't play that. Play this. Right. I turn around oh, no. from the stage. I literally, I'm not even turned around to go down the stairs. And, and I, hear I grab go, the mic and I go, you guys ready for another painting? <laughs> That's a million percent me too. And as to like as formulate a plan and then completely do the opposite. As he's flying off the stage, he looks back like, what the? Oh f- my God. <laughs> what was in your head? Just nothing was well, in your head. Well, as soon as I said it, I'm like, darn, that was the cue. <laughs> That's like, that sums up my 37 I years on this planet. See, it's like, I could see the DJ's hand go down to the button to hit play. And I'm like, no. <laughs> You're like pushing Don well, Henley well, out of the yeah. way too. <laughs> and like, I gotta like, say, to Bo's credit, he made it. They played the Elvis track. I painted the Oh, Elvis really? Painting. Yeah. So I, and then right after that, the final painting was Jimi Hendrix. I got done with it. We got off the stage. And the planner goes, that was great, guys. And we go, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, we we drag everything out of there. And we just Duh. left immediately. Oh, my god! Meanwhile, the Eagles were on stage like, could they play anything other than Elvis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're playing Elvis. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. That's great. Do they, uh, at conferences and stuff like that, do you tell them ahead of time what you will be? Like, who's, yeah, who's they pick, they editorial pick choice is it? Like, what you theirs. paint? They, they say, oh, would you like this? Would you like that? And. They always get the final say. Of, okay. This is what we want you to paint. And another way I think you and I are similar is you are a big like animal lover, right? Because I feel oh, like huge. You, yeah. Is your like that's pretty much not just what you paint, but is that kind of one of your favorite? Well, that's the thing. I don't just paint one thing. Anything, yeah. And it's funny is getting into the art game, especially the fine art game, is so often fine artists will paint one thing well, and it might be a topic. It might be just animals. It might be just icons, whatnot, and 
many of the friends of mine who are in that world are like, I'm so sick of painting this. I'm not going to, I don't want to do it anymore. But now they're making a living just from that one thing. And so when Bo and I started getting into the fine art game, I said, I don't want to be the icon guy or the animal guy or whatever. I want to, I want to be valued from whatever that's I'm great. producing. Yeah. And so every gallery that's ever shown me, I bring in everything and say, this is what I want to show. And luckily I've gotten good responses of we'll take everything. Cool. I think people do respond to categories. You know, they mm -hmm. want to categorize yeah. an artist or something. So what we tried to do is create series like the icons, which is people who are oh, famous. Oh like, yeah. Uh, Frank Sinatra, Audrey Hepburn, things like that. And then we'd say like the four life, which was like his idea towards animals. You know, he would be and raising these, awareness, uh, raising awareness. Yeah. And then we've done some landscapes. So we did a, a series called Moda Evolve, which is all models done in this like, and those are the best. Bo and I literally will take a canvas and Bo and I will paint a specific painting of a model. Usually Bo's a photographer. He'll take a picture of like a model. Like a girl model? Like yeah. A, oh, wow. And so we'll, we'll paint that model, but we don't discuss what we're going to do. I'm working on my, what I want this painting to look like. He's climbing over me or I'm <laughs> climbing over him. He's painting the way he wants to paint. And at the end, the result has blown our minds. Because I am i don't like painting the human form. I'm no good at it. I mean, truly. I, I am way more like a modern or abstract painter. Yeah. And so those elements lend itself really well because he's painting this structure, this woman, this female form or uh whatever subject matter matter it is. And I'm really working with that and being like, Oh, this would be good to layer on top of that. So it's like, we go back and forth. That's and it's so funny. Cool. Like we'll switch sides and he'll cover up exactly what I just got done painting. And I'm painting on top of what he just got done painting. And it's, I think because we both trust each other's taste, the result it just shocks us how crazy it I is. Think it's, we it's, love it. it's a lot about like, um, letting the person, you, you know, your pluses and you yeah. know mine and allowing that person to, really accentuate that yeah like, exactly and the you, freedom and respect to yeah. to admire what they're going to do I, yeah. I hope everyone listening if you haven't gotten the chance to see live art happen it's really unique and i, I think it was like right when i met Bo, it was the first time i've ever seen a live artist and it's really cool and i think it's like a whole category that i think is just so needed like everywhere and i was going to ask i know you're very spirited on stage and dance and all that kind of stuff so is that something that you have to step into character to do Never. or it's in so your if i'm alone up at lexus we have a studio up at the lexus dealership here in san diego and if i'm alone in there and music's always blasting there's times I'm popping around, throwing stuff. <laughs> I turn around, there's a whole crowd of people wow. walked into the gallery. I didn't even know we're there. So that's cool. So that's kind of your, like the extroverted side. Is you, It's not exhausting it's, for you to act like that on stage because it's easy for you. I, it's how I, I, I paint on stage the way I paint. It's not, there's there might be a few gestures I might on, a, on uh -huh. stage exaggerate to make it more dramatic. But man, when I turn music on, I'm the guy who's in the car screaming and dancing <laughs> and, you know. Whereas I think, Bo, you're so, you are so extroverted and like friendly and out there, but I feel like you like just dancing on stage. I, can't, I don't no, know no, if that's that completely. Would never oh, Bo doesn't do that. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I yeah. can't, I can picture you being like. I'm way too self-aware in that way. Yeah, right? yeah. Or self-conscious maybe. Uh, because there is that, Definitely, Steve and I are both very extroverted in a lot of ways. But like when people are like, oh, so do you do this? I'm like, fuck no, <laughs> yeah. man. I don't want anything to do with jumping up on stage well, you can tell and dancing around. When, even when we're painting together, like a painting, uh, a Moto Evolve painting that's, I've covered in paint. He doesn't have a spot of paint <laughs> on it. That's true. That is so that's funny. Yeah. I have all my movements are like something out of the Matrix. Where I'm like, <laughs> There's like a droplet yeah, that yeah. goes in the air. Because Steven's like... throwing paint at me. I'm like, oh, I just bought yeah. these <laughs> shoes. Oh, I bought those pants. You know. Whereas I love getting messy. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll hear, 
you just bought this shirt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've never said that, Stephen. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your licensing mm. side because that's a huge side of you as well. And, and explain it a little bit because I think most people won't know what that means. Sure. So it was, gosh, it was easily 12 years ago maybe. Uh, I was sitting in a coffee shop in Simi Valley with a friend of ours, uh, Stephen Silver. Yes. Animator. Past I think you guys did it. Yep. Yeah. And we were sitting there talking about art and the world and what we want to do with it. And he, he being a designer for Disney, for Nickelodeon, whatnot, he goes, I'm sick of designing these properties that I'm never going to get any residuals on because they own the property. Right. He goes, we need to look into licensing. This may be 13 years ago. And so we looked up licensing and there was a licensing expo in June in uh, Vegas every year. So he and I just signed up and went out to Vegas for three days and walked around this massive licensing convention. And I had made like a tear sheet of my artwork with my name and phone number on it. And I made like 50 copies at Kinko's and <laughs> handed it to anybody who would take one. And we went to a ton of seminars and we left and I thought, well, that was a waste of time. It was awesome to see it but we were so new at it we didn't know anything about it six months later in december i got a phone call from one of the people i handed that my sheet to he said hey we're a company that represents artists and in licensing opportunities we've been looking at your stuff online for the last six months Whoa. are you coming out next year to the licensing expo i said Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I had no plans to, but now I will. And the licensing expo, did you explain what that actually is? It's like every All brand. licensing. Yeah. Every brand. Hasbro to Disney to Nickelodeon to Ford to GM to every company that has a logo that's branded in any capacity. If you've ever bought a Nike shirt or an Adidas shirt or a trucking shirt or Or anything, a shirt of your favorite band. All that licensing deals happen at this license. Really? So let's say Kiss, right? Let's just everybody knows mm -hmm, the band mm -hmm. Kiss, right? Kiss, they are a band, and people pay for their likeness or for their imagery to put on T-shirts in some creative way, and then sell those T-shirts, like Hot Topic or something right, like that. Right. Yeah. Hot Topic. So yeah. Kiss might get ten percent of your company that makes T-shirts. You're paying Kiss a fee to start putting Kiss on that T-shirt. And then they're also getting a 10% of everything you sell. That's how licensing works. So you land like one of those deals and then... It could be like, really good for someone yeah. who just makes t-shirts, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and it's great for the bands because they literally do nothing. All they do is say, here's our image pack that someone took photos of us. Or And they don't even do that. They hire a company that no. manages their licensing side that does all I that. I always wondered about that because I always wondered like In-N-Out Burger, is that someone in-house or is that someone like you for guys them, that's just... For them, it probably is. Yeah. For them, it probably is. But I think for bands, or company like if you go to Walmart and you see a built Ford tough t-shirt right Ford isn't making that shirt right it's some company buying the license to Ford to put on a shirt or any comic I book get character that. okay yep any anything like that that you see at any store it's usually licensed yeah. yeah and so uh Brandon D'Onofrio from Get Down Art was the guy who called me in December and so we started talking immediately he sent me a contract he said we'll represent you uh, we get these percentages and I didn't know anything about the world. So I hired an attorney in LA to look at it <laughs> and he got me a bunch more per percentage points on some cool. of those things. And so we signed a deal and I think I did, I think six paintings right out the gate before the next licensing show. 
And Brandon, I had always heard in the licensing world that it takes 18 to 24 months before you receive your first check because you got to go through all these processes. Brandon was literally handing me a $3,000 check for those six paintings. He had licensed them to Blockbuster Video. Whoa. So he had printed... Remember at the very end of Blockbuster Video, you'd walk in and it was like a store. They're selling posters and yes. wall yeah, art. I miss that. I miss Blockbuster stuff. so much. Yeah. And so he had sold, I think it was six of my paintings of like Scarface and Marilyn and whoever to Blockbuster. And so all of a sudden, I, like I was three months into it and I got a $3,000 check. I was like, what? You're like licensing is a thing. Licensing is really great because it's like, they kind of call it mailbox money where it's like, you'll do the art yeah. and then you just hope that it keeps coming in the mailbox. Well, you know? so, and f- that was 13 years ago and every licensing quarter, Bo and I get a check for an Einstein that we did oh. 10, years, 10 ago. years ago. Really? And the original painting sold at an art gallery. So we, the original painting's gone. We got paid for that. But every single month and probably hopefully for the rest of our lives, we will get a paycheck every it's, three months for that pain. Now, can you give us a, an exa- a kind of like a range of how much that is? Can be, oh, well, it's, I'll give you a range. It's millions of pennies. <laughs> okay, okay. But it, it's consistent, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, for example, the Einstein poster, there's a good chance you're, you listeners have probably seen it because it's been in so many popular culture things. It was on, uh, what's that show? Uh, I, I, I was flipping through the channels at one of the hotels I was staying at and the show Modern Family came on. And the two parents that have the three kids and the middle kid's smart and she's in college, they're standing in her dorm room arguing with each other. And my painting of Einstein is <gasps> right behind them. Are you? That's yeah. so cool. And, and he's, we've been contacted for lots of shows to be like, hey, we love this painting. We want to use it in our show. Do you give us permission? And we always say yes. It's like, yeah. And then there was a, a John Oliver uh, last <laughs> week tonight that was so funny. They were making fun of this guy. Because he was a mortician. He was a mortician, but he was doing it in like this weird like <laughs> space. And they focus in they're on like zooming all through his the, house. the weird things that are in his office. <laughs> This is on John Oliver, like last week. And they zoom right in to the Einstein painting and go, and then this Einstein <laughs> painting. I was like, holy wow. shit. It's like, yeah, so this one painting that he's done is really so been cool. the thing that just yeah. keeps getting sold, keeps, you know, that's the, the thing the, that sold the, the most. The kiss piece that you had put together, mm. I've seen at Walmart. I've seen yeah. it on uh, at Spencer's. Because it gets it put everywhere. on a canvas. It gets put on T-shirts. It gets yeah. put, you know, in all these different ways. And once you create it, so, and people how, can buy it. How Bo and I do the licensing stuff is uh, we'll get a band or whoever. It could be uh, ACDC. And so I'll do a traditional painting on canvas, usually in black and white or just white on a black canvas. And then I hand it to Bo. And Bo digitally puts colors and energy and all the... Like I'll throw paint on a canvas. He'll photograph that and he'll layer that. That way, I have complete control over the final image. And if if the client comes back and says like, "There's too much paint here," he doesn't have to paint a whole new paint. Oh, that well, yeah, that's smart. So we'll just do everything in white, and then I can do twenty different versions, and they can pick the one they like yeah. without well, Stephen having to like. That's smart. Hardcore. And we'll paint find it. that like uh, Urban Outfitters will say, "Oh, we'll take this Pink Floyd piece." But we want an exclusive. Yeah, but then Bo's got a third version that oh, that and you're able to yeah, kind of do topic, like the yeah. little cousins of yeah, it's of like each the other. green one is only available at Urban Outfitters, and the red one over here, that one's yeah, that way. Oh, that's so interesting. It's yeah. so like we did some stuff for Cypress Hill, 
and we really took one i did one painting but bo made multiple versions and then we sold the versions to different stores yeah because they want they didn't want to have the same shirt that that store right so we hold the licenses to like you said kiss acdc uh, cypress well, hill and technically we don't hold the license right Our i mean like we have the agreement all of that so he makes sure that the property gets paid or the, the estate and then he cuts us a check every three right. quarters. Whoever, but we, but we have the ability. So you can't just paint uh, a Jimi Hendrix and put it on a T-shirt and sell it. You're selling the likeness of someone who has a license, right? Yeah. You have to pay that license. So that's why you get an agent or somebody who can hold those licenses. Huh. And we have the ability to create whatever work we want with those people in mind. Okay. Yeah, I get asked this question all the time from artists. They're like, you know, how, if I want to do a Disney painting, how, how would I go about that? It's like you can do a painting of anything you want. The original is yours. It's your freedom of speech. You can you do anything. You don't have to pay anybody. You can sell it. But the moment you print it, now you're selling an image of that person, and you're interfering with the company like Mickey Mouse, who sells images of Mickey. Yeah, so you can't just sell the original. Is your voice you're selling? You don't have to pay anybody. But the moment you print it, you are infringing. Oh, that is so interesting. So there are ways to get around certain things, and so you you could paint something for a gallery, but it has to be like a one-off. It's a, you if, yeah. yeah, the moment it's printed, if it's property somebody owns, they'll sue you for and it. You could get a, a cease Which, and desist. And we've got, it's funny, we've gotten cease and desist letters. We started working with Bob Marley mm-hmm. oh my gosh. 13 years ago, and <laughs> we got a cease and desist letter from Bravada, the company that manages his licensing, that we have a deal with, but they hire really... Uh, law students to go out and send out cease and desist letters for anybody who's posting anything about Marley. So our response, their, their letter was, you know, the state of California versus Stephen Fishwick for (laughs) infringement. And our response was, we're already working with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's not what Bob Marley would have wanted to is his lawyers. Well, it's funny. It's like you get that cease and desist and then didn't Bob Marley's like wife or something or his daughter. Ziggy Marley. Oh, Beverly yeah, Hills ordered right? paintings from Stephen personally. Well, so he owns them. This is funny though. So his family reached out to us and asked us if we could paint Bob Marley. Then they sent us what literally looked like a shoebox full of photos that they had scanned. Oh, not one was usable for a painting, but it was like Bob Marley serving cake to his six year old <laughs> daughter, Bob Marley playing ping pong on his back porch with his band or him yeah. playing soccer. Wow. It was like such an intimate look into his life. And then, we just Googled Bob Marley, get good photos. <laughs> yeah, we need that. Wow. It's so crazy. Yeah. Whoever's licensing the Golden Girls, I feel like I see like someone is hard, like oh, pushing yeah. the Golden Girls hard these and days. I don't know who owns that. Probably the studio, right? Was it CBS or whatever? Because those women don't own it. Right. Yeah. Because they, they're they, everywhere. They sold their rights, probably sold their license rights, and they probably got paid to sell them. And the company now is just going to churn it out. We have it out. It's funny. We were at Mandalay Bay, and I was painting Jimi Hendrix. So much happens for you in Vegas. Yeah, I feel well, like our <laughs> agents there, and he managed. Oh, okay, it's so funny. Yeah. We hate Vegas now, though. That's f- oh, yeah. We're, we're the <laughs> only two guys that are in in our hotel rooms by seven o'clock. Yeah, oh, you're like, what am I gonna listen, do? The thing that I think about now with Vegas is uh, forensic files, because I just end up watching like a, an endless barrage of forensic <laughs> files on on a hotel TV. <laughs> so we're at Mandalay Bay, and we're I'm painting Jimi Hendrix, and then our agent goes, "Hey, uh, Jimi Hendrix's younger brother Leon is here, and he wants to meet you." And, and we're like, what? And the funny thing is, Leon looks 
just like Jimi Hendrix right out of 1968. Yeah. Like he's wearing fringe, he's wearing bandanas, he's, he's got really flowers. playing it up. You know, but I was just gonna say that seems like it would be. he looks just like Hendrix, and he walks up to us, and we're standing there, we're kind of in awe. He's got his entourage around him, but he sounds just like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> he does, and he goes, he walks up, and we're like staring at him. He goes. Hey man, it was so great watching you paint my brother. <laughs> it was like both of us were like, <laughs> it's like your brother is Jimi Hendrix. I just, and I just want to be clear, that's what Stephen thinks Kermit the Frog. I know, like. yeah, that was <laughs> Hello. Why are there so many? <laughs> that is funny. I want to switch gears and I want to ask you because you and I are constantly talking, Stephen, about like what are you into right now? Have you seen anything good? So I figured this would be a good time to uh, do a little bit s'more. We're gonna Why? do a little s'more with bam, you. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, that's bug bite. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so cute. That, that's so cute. See my boo and do my bow, and now it's time for a little bit s'more. Um, is there anything out there that you would recommend to our listeners without spoiling? Because you're a really bad spoiler, a really bad I spoiler. I won't spoil anything. Spoil the s'more. Uh, is there any movie, TV show? She We're a bad spoiler way, too. Way worse at spoiling. I agree. To the point where I wanted to shoot you through the <laughs> microphone. Lots of people do. Yeah. yeah. Well, this won't be a spoiler. I feel like I save people time. I'm saving someone two no, and a half no, or three you're hours. Ruining <laughs> it. If we just know that old yeller, like, yes, he gets shot, then you don't have then you could save yourself. That that's, right that's, there yeah. is a general spoiler everybody knows, but yeah. you should just out of right. What movie did I, like, I just I feel movie. like if someone goes like uh, Darth Vader is Luke's dad, it's like that's not a spoiler. It's like it's part of our cultural like but she'll ruin almost. anything. Fatal Attraction, she gets killed at the end. Okay. We know okay. that. We but if you everything. can't watch Fatal Attraction by now, then you lose your privilege. I feel like there's spoiling privileges. You, you don't get make, two months. No, you don't make the rules. You don't make the rules. People have lives. and they I don't know how Game everything. of Thrones ends, but I would tell you guys if no. I could. Oh, it's done. Jeez. Okay, okay. Anyway, Stephen, do you have a little bit more? I have some s'more for oh, you. Oh, give us as many as you want. So my first, well, my first thought on s'more is... I listen to Meryl's conspiracy nightmares and I think <laughs> you're crazy, but I, I am a conspiracy guy. <laughs> so I have gotten, and, and I don't, you know how I am. I'm extreme. I, I, I don't just watch the documentary. I look for everything. I can yes. listen to a podcast. I want to hear every story about it, but I've really gotten into this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing. First was a podcast. Uh, the Epst Mr. Epstein, the man of mystery or whatnot. Yeah. The reality of his scenario, and, and I'm not spoiling it. I think we should all know it. Spoiler Everyone alert, should. he didn't kill himself? <laughs> well, not that. I, I don't okay. even want to go there. But the the length that he was protected from ever being prosecuted yeah. Yeah. came from the highest echelons mm. to the point where the investigation now, and there's one on Netflix uh -huh. that's Epstein that you should watch. I'm watching it now, but I had finished the podcast. It's so corruptible and now it's being investigated at such a level that these these i gotta give it to these journalists that are saying hey who were the five people that would have had the say in making sure epstein was freed and not prosecuted he signed an agreement from the prosecutor wow usually the defense attorney will create the the i, I just want to be clear are you spoiling this story for us no <laughs> Are you tell? Are you agreeing that Tom Hanks goes to his island and is a pedophile for sure? No. So what is? But the there are people that are went to his island. What like is it Oprah. that we should watch? The Epstein. I'm, I've been watching the Epstein. If you're a watcher, watch the Epstein 
uh, Netflix. Who were the five? Oh no, okay. Don't you guys? You can't tell us the five people because that's the whole. Well, no, there, there's more than five people, but the, the journalists are starting to say, who, who would have made this happen? Because this deal doesn't doesn't happen for any criminal. This guy was accused at the time of having sex with underage, under 17, 17 and under yeah. year old girls, 34 of them. And the FBI said, now eh, let's just get them on a felony prostitution charge. A child can't be a prostitute because it's illegal to have sex with them. So even if they say they're a prostitute, it's illegal to have right. sex with them. Yeah. 34 witnesses were willing to come forward and tell their stories and they were, they weren't even part of the deal. He was given a deal to go away for 18 months of which he served 13 months, but not even in a prison, in a barracks. And he was allowed to leave the barracks six days a week to continue to live at home and work from home. Hmm. That's a deal that he's protected. Yeah, for sure. he's yep. protected. And then it was and the deal was that no one could ever be prosecuted in accordance with his crimes. Part of deals we won't. So go everyone after. involed. Yeah. That, it's just unheard See, of. See, and I've been waiting deal. for all of this. To, I thought it was going to be like the card on like a pyramid where you just take one card out and everything's going to fall. I keep waiting. I think this card is going to be sh revealing itself over the next two years. I hope so. But I think that there's too many people saying this has to be investigated. The criminals are still out there that yeah. made this happen. Yeah. And they're going after. Them. That's, so that's a good that's smart. I am interested really in, in seeing that. That's uh, ooey gooey. And yeah. if you're a pot, if you're a listener and not a watcher, definitely look up the, the miss. I think it's the mysterious Mr. Epstein. Mm. Okay. How about you? You got one? Yeah. Okay. This one is a little <laughs> bit late to the game. I understand. But my favorite. If you fav say Tiger King, I'm out. No. <laughs> ew, no. My favorite movie. In, and as you know, from being a podcast listener, I'm not a huge movie fan in general. I have really no attention span for that. Then why do you ruin them? You're not because, even a fan. Because I'm saving people time. Movies. That's why I'm saving people time so they don't have to watch movies. Okay. So what's the okay, movie? Okay. So one movie that I want everyone I don't even to watch. <laughs> is best in show. I'm, I'm, oh my god! I'm a Christopher Guest girl. Every best in show and a mighty win. And or wait, no. how do you how do you make how do you make it through the world? <laughs> oh, hey, she gets by. She gets by. That's what I would I would say that to Stephen for so many years. How do I like, get through the world? Like, he'd like show up and be like, oh, uh, I forgot my wallet. I'm like, how do you do this? I don't how get do through this. He'd, he'd always say this to me. I get by. Oh my I gosh. Okay, so no, I don't make it through the world. I create my own world. Okay, great. That I get I'm, through. I'm the only guy who probably best in I don't show. carry a wallet. I just carry my loose credit. Oh my. Card oh, see, I couldn't do that. No, I need my. Oh, see, I'm using them in my safe sleeve uh, radiation protector case. <laughs> this is supposed yeah. to protect me from EMF. Theory. So, uh, um. but okay, but specifically, best in show is my favorite movie, and one of the reasons because. I love the late actor Fred Willard. So of we hadn't course. got a chance to talk about him yet, but I really loved him. And like a few weeks ago, I was so close to like posting out and saying, basically, is there any like bad movies that Fred Willard's in? Like, I feel like they would call him in to basically make things good. He was so in so many movies. I'm sure he was in some bad ones, but you know, he's good. He's, he's really great. good. Yeah. yeah. And I, so I, I feel like my s'more is mm. if you're not familiar with Fred Willard yeah. or the best movie, best in show. Oh boy. Okay. Yes. It has to do with dogs. You're I love little, it. You're a little late to the game on that. I one. know, but By we like, haven't like recorded. And I think you should see the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't um, seen that yet, but I know that there's, oh there's a horse head in the bed. Okay. Okay. We don't have right. it. Okay. Okay. What about you, Bo? Um, well, I'm going to switch it up. Uh, I have an album. I think you should go out and listen to. It's really timely. Um, just a fantastic album. It made me the think Eagles. of this because uh, <laughs> Stephen and I, there's an album that we listen to all the time. 
It was Jim James' uh, first solo album. It was so good. And Stephen would, you know. All of his stuff's so good. It, it is so good. So he just has a new album out, and it's called The Order of Nature. And he partners with the Louisville um, Orchestra. And it's a fantastic album. And it's the, the songs are great. And it's just very poignant for the right order now. of nature, the order of nature. Cool. And it's like a symphony and him. And they did this big uh, project together. And I think you should check it out. Uh, I like that. It, it's really uh, like if you like any kind of symphonic music and him. And I just think it's a really fantastic album for right now, especially. Nice. Yeah. So that's my shit. Um, well, you know, thank you. Steven. I know we talked for a such a long time. You oh, a you too? Oh my gosh, oh. let's do the Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, he's prepared. Okay, well, give us your bug bite. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yuck. Bug bites. So my bug bite is co- this coronavirus thing because <laughs> Bo travels so often that we always get Arrow, his dog. Uh-huh. We haven't seen that little guy. But what the fuck? Why can't you oh. give Arrow to so your, Stephen for a little bit? Your bug bite is the coronavirus because now you don't get Arrow. to see Arrow. Yeah. Can you just go somewhere, Bo? I would love to. Can I take him <laughs> with me today? I'm I'm ready. I'm going places. Uh, oh, you're going places? Yeah, I was. I'm going places at this point. Meryl just went to L.A. to look for a uh, an apartment. You know, I've been listening to the podcast. You you seem to have not understood Corona at all. Um, I understand it, which is actually why I go out. All right. Uh, anyway, you have it now. Just so you know, Stephen, <laughs> I understand you have it. The, you have the I don't corona. It. <laughs> I understand. Thanks it. again for being here, bud. We love oh. you. That was a good conversation. Oh my god! It wasn't just a bit. What? what? That was not that, just here for are the you bit. Doing a bit again? No, I was. That j- was so like robotic. That was a good conversation. I enjoyed the human to human contact <laughs> with our mouths. No, uh. I don't know. Before meeting you guys, I knew nothing about the live art space or even yeah. art in general. And I love hearing about the creativity and business. And it makes me now, whenever I'm going to see something, I'm going to think about like the licensing of it. Yeah. And not just the art It's itself. funny, like, uh, let's say you listen to other podcasts like Joe Rogan, right? And J- Joe Rogan talks a lot about fighting or uh, training, that kind of oh, like thing. Oh, the MMA kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's his thing, right? Yeah. Um, but it's hard for me in this podcast to talk about all of the things that I am involved in, whether it be my own art or uh, my comedy show, things like that. Because, and, and I, I think Stephen and I's relationship is one of those things that I don't bring up a lot, right? You know, but there are so many facets of even just that live it's very art nuanced, and licensing yeah. and all this. So it's really nice to hear. It was nice to hear him kind of be able to explain that to you guys. It was so interesting. Was it? Yes, I well, said I can, that again. I can feel you. I'm, again. We all know. Gosh, I, this the is the wind Merrill. gets taken out of my sails if by the end. I how give everything do, I have. How did you do a four or five hour radio show? How did you do it? I mean, I don't understand because you get to this point where like my you stamina, can't even, you can't even finish this conversation. right now. Usually about halfway through, someone would bring us donuts or like chicken parm. So, I mean, maybe it's a good idea for us to get fueled, fueled halfway through. So if I give you something to eat right now, you'll be better. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Let's take a break. Okay, so we're yum, back. Yum. Uh, I just made a Merrill uh, macaroni and cheese. That was so good. Thank you. Good, Very right? crusty. Yeah, well, straight from the box, though. Oh. Um, the well, I cru- feel good. The crust was just like, you know, wood chips or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, I just wanted to take that quick break so we could come back and say goodbye. Yes, goodbye. Really quickly, Stephen <laughs> never gave his art or his website, so will you, oh, which right. is your website, too. So plug ways, yourself and plug Stephen. To, ways to find Stephen Fishwick. It's... S-T-E-P-H-E-N Fishwick 
Uh, that's on his Instagram. You could follow him there. That's probably the best place to get him. Or you can go to stephenfishwick.com to see some of his artwork. And uh, yeah, check him out. He's awesome. And you can see him in all. I mean, honestly, if you just Google Stephen Fishwick, you're going to find so many yeah. places and great videos uh, out there about him. Cool so art. Go check him out. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Meryl. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye. This episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB and J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at campfireshitshow, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show.